Hey, you're on with Sarah, Thalia, Jade, Talia, and thank you for tuning in to Convo Quattro. Today we will be branching off of the recent Uber incident that happened in Arizona where a self-driving car killed a woman who was walking her bike across the street. And there was a person in the car, but not driving. They were there for the purpose of supervising in specific incidents or occurrences like this one, but um, it ended up ending unfortunately with her death. So now Uber's being investigated, but also the person in the car is being investigated. So we're going to just refer to the questions concerning responsibility and AI as a whole, including the goal of it, how countries are using it, and what it might look like in the future. So what is the whole goal with self-driving cars? Like I know AI is a big thing now and a lot of car companies are having autonomous software that is allowing them to have self-driving cars. They're being tested in a lot of cities, aren't they? Yes, I think the cities include Sacramento, Pittsburgh, and usually the places are chosen since they're for testing. Their cities are chosen based on the climate and how easy it may be to drive on its own in the conditions of that state or that city. So Arizona has wide roads, it has a very mild climate, and that's a comfortable place for a self-driving car, but that's where we saw this first incident. And then you look at other cities, such as San Francisco, where it doesn't seem like it's as very appropriate space for testing a self-driving car. I think the big question here is how ethical is the practice of trying to develop a self-driving car? That's a good question looking at the ethical actions of Uber as a whole because much of their cities that they operate in, they operate in illegally. And to be able to do so, they have a software that works behind the scenes of the Uber app that evades any kind of contact with governmental authorities or, or police. So, for example, if a police officer or somebody who is involved with the government were to try to use Uber, whether it's for personal or business-related use, Grayball, the software, would immediately cancel the ride or put fake icons on the Uber app of another car driving which is not an actual car driving to try and distract them or not allow them to use Uber. That comes down to how then how does Uber know that that person is a governmental authority or a police authority which then goes into breaking privacy laws and so I think the entire foundation of Uber is on a business model that's predicated by law breaking. Using its company that way and getting business that way it's kind of predicated on the ability to because of technology. So that just leads us back to AI and how technology is used and the goals of it. With a company like Uber, there may be a general goal of self-driving cars, but Uber may be using them for purpose of profit or just trying to get ahead in the industry and almost kind of a monopoly of transportation. But you look at other companies that may be also testing self-driving cars and they may be doing so because they know that technology has become so obsolete so quickly. So they're just trying to keep up and trying to relate to what people may be wanting to see on the roads or what kind of services they might, might want available to them. But it's definitely, you have to look into the safety, efficiency of all these things and how a self-driving car, trying to build a car that can react to certain situations like humans can. Despite humans being imperfect, there's so many situations. 
when you're driving that that's difficult to account for? Yeah, in order to like create a smart enough AI program to like be able to process all like the millions of different situations that a person, you know, can encounter through driving, you would really have to create a very advanced artificial intelligence software. So I think at that point it can get a little tricky because once you make one intelligent enough to be able to um, process all these different situations that you see on the road, at what point can that software be used for something greater? Like I think at one point if we try to make autonomous software that is compatible with an actual human who drives a car, like that's when it gets tricky if you make the computer program just as smart and just as capable as a human. And I think another thing that's really kind of going off what you said was really tricky is if this software can, I guess, have all the capabilities of a human driver, does it have the same responsibilities? Mm -hmm. Does it take the same responsibilities for if it does you know, make an error, cause an accident? Mm -hmm. Um, like, you know, how do you hold, I guess, the software accountable for maybe the deaths yeah. or, you know, injuries caused because the car was driving itself? Yeah. Right. I think it'd be also less expensive for a company to just be able to blame it on a fault in the software instead of having to deal with the legal practice of supporting, like, the driver that was in the car and, like, all the suing and all that that involves having, like, a human driver. Like, when a human driver gets into an accident, I'm not entirely sure of how all the legal practices work within that, but blame does go back to the company for like, oh, they shouldn't have like hired someone or this person being affiliated with the company is at fault, therefore the company is at fault. Yeah. So with the software, because softwares are trickier and they can have bugs, um, would the company be less culpable? Mm -hmm. And as time goes on and they start testing these and then maybe start producing them to be useful to the general public, as time goes on, more bugs get presented, and as you, as Jade was talking about, um, not really knowing what kind of conditions or quick decisions that the intelligent software may have to make. Inclement weather is another very unpredictable thing that um, that I would question. Could an intelligence, maybe a robot or some kind of software, sense that? Would they be able to? make the decisions necessary if there were a thunderstorm or if a tornado were just to pop out of nowhere in, mm -hmm. in the middle of a storm. And that's why I think autonomous cars are different when it comes to um, a lot of other AI because you we see now when people are developing certain robots um, to be able to do certain jobs or to be able to communicate with people they give them a certain just base software or just base coding and then let them talk to people or perform in certain environments and pick up on different things in the environment and be able to pick up more words that people are saying to them through the computer. But with a car, it's not safe to just let the car go and pick up on different things that may happen because, for one, it's probably not going to be able to pick up quickly enough. Let's, let's say if a, like sometimes when you're driving and the lights aren't working and so you're at a four-way like, red light, we know how to perform in that and it's just like a mm -hmm. stop sign. How is a car going to know in that case where the light's not working? How are they going right, to know how to right. act? Yeah, you'd basically have to perform a sort of touring test, but with cars instead of, you know, a person in a computer. And the car would basically be able to have to have the same response that a person would have in that situation. 
and because that is something so difficult to program and into like make into an algorithm I just don't trust the safety in that so I don't believe that what Uber is doing to make this sort of AI program like something you put on the market instead of something mm -hmm. that we study just to see if we can there's two uh, reasons why a company would want to test this sort of thing. One would be just to see how far we can get in technology. The other would be to market off of it. And mm -hmm. I do believe that trying to market off of it will lead to way more troublesome consequences. I really think that they, they've kind of started doing it too fast to me. I guess the technology isn't old enough to me. You know, we haven't, there's so many things, I guess, you know, uncertain about uh, the self-driving cars and safety and you know whether or not they'll be able to perform like humans and stuff like that I just I feel like they just try to hurry up and get it out you know just something out there so mm -hmm. they can market off of it basically like oh hey yeah we got self-driving cars but you might die yeah Uber <laughs> is a very new company especially in comparison to other car companies such as Toyota or Ford mm -hmm. or um, even right. one company Tesla that has um, self-driving cars already Uber is very fresh and very new, and so even with its um, original software, just the app and how those things work, like legally and, and software-wise, I definitely agree that it's way too soon for them to be trying to um, develop autonomous software because they don't have a lot of credit, and they've also had a very bumpy like few years, especially between yeah. like 2016 yeah, to Uber's sketchy company. Yeah, very like sketchy. even with the Grayball program that you mentioned, it's not even just that. It's like even with in past situations mm -hmm. that they've had, they it's their it's how they've handled a lot of situations. And because Uber didn't even start off as it's not a car company. It's just like a transportation company almost. Mm -hmm. It just allows you to connect with people who can get you somewhere else. And so they don't depend on their own cars. Like people use their own, the people who are hired by Uber, they use their own cars that are developed by actual car, car production companies. companies. But now Uber wants to produce cars. And so I feel like in all those situations when people, the people were driving their own cars, so they should be at fault for if they got into an accident or if something happened to their passenger. But Uber doesn't handle, the, handle those situations well, knowing that that person's still their employee. And so it doesn't treat it as a company when these situations arise that are a bit problematic. Another very sketchy thing that they did is that there's a lot of um, problems going on with like sexual harassment or things with some of the Uber employee drivers and mm -hmm. they'll just usually outright fire them but there were some hackers that hacked into their um, that hacked into their software and stole data from people and information about people's social lives, their personal lives, credit card, their social security numbers, all of the things that pretty much makes up the identity of a person in America. And instead of Uber bringing that to the public, they decided to keep that private and pay off each of those hackers $100,000 each so that they would just erase the information. And so mm -hmm. they didn't actually say or come forth and say that some people's data or information was compromised, which is also super sketchy because then it's like, like what if that was my information that mm -hmm. was shared or that was hacked into? And then even though Uber paid them for them to erase it, nothing is really ever erased these days. It can always go somewhere else or they could still have that information. So aren't there um, self-driving cars being made in other countries, like Japan and I believe Germany? 
Are they working on that? China doing that? Yeah, I think China is. And I think the question would be, what makes the situations in those other countries different from uh, like the US and like how we're developing our AI dr mm. self-driving car versus how they're doing it? I feel like it's a lot, a lot of it depends on the is the environment, kind of the social environment of these two countries. Because mm -hmm. US, in comparison to, to Japan, I think the people living in Japan have a much better, not just tolerance of technology, but they cooperate with it better. Um, it wasn't, I think they just have a better history with it and just how people have kind of more so grew up with the development, even if it has been very rapid development. And the U.S. with self-driving cars, we're trying to put out cars that don't have people in it, that people driving it, that are supposed to be able to interact with people who may not even be good at driving their own cars. But in Japan, we have people who are used to using this technology, interacting with it, almost as if it's just another one of them or another user of technology. Um, so I think they have a better chance at not just driverless cars, but just AI in general, because of how people react to it and how it's been implemented in um, in just a lot of their daily lives. Um, but at the same time, we, if we're going to, if the US is going to want to do the same thing and be just as involved, it can't just be one thing at a time. I think it has to be like, if we're going to start making technology that prevalent and that accessible to uh, at that extent, then it can't just be because companies want to profit off of it. Like it, we have to be able to see it in other things, and it can't just be limited because they may not be able to profit in the same way as they can with driverless cars. So I know earlier we discussed how really advanced a self-driving program would have to be, and. Um, the question is, like, as like you know, a globalized society, should we really limit how advanced these sort of programs can get, and like, just really other governments' applications of those programs? Like, should we limit what we can use AIs for, and like, really just their full capabilities um, for safety or whatever reason? Like, is that something we should do? I'm not sure that you can actually limit, or at least now you can't really limit how much AI can do or can become capable of doing because technology is a part of everyday life, medical and leisure, just everyday life people have to interact with technology and I just think you can just advance these, these separate te technologies so much further. Yeah, it's very easy to advance those technologies really easy because of mm -hmm. the, the easy access that you have to them. I think that's a very good question and it's also hard because there's a lot of different aspects like could uh, could there be international intervention and um, could like could there be um, like monitoring of uh, AI in the entire world like I I don't see how that's possible but I also do think it would be necessary to agree as this starts and continues to develop as it is because mm -hmm. eventually I think it's possible that technology could take over literally everything and then people would be out of jobs and um, what if some countries decide to use AI more than other countries and some countries may um, 
just be completely robotic and mm -hmm. if it's going into self-driving cars right now like what else th what other things would be done by a robot or by done or done by AI mm -hmm. that could be done I would say that maybe the UN could hypothetically maybe get together and say here are the situations in which we should not use AIs you know maybe like okay for scientific development all that fun stuff just about knowing more um, sure but I guess once you try to implement it in actual you know government structures or actual uh, workforces that's when things get more hazy yeah. mm -hmm. I think a lot of the issue is people have to know about what they're talking about before they try to debate whether or not other people should have access to it and mm -hmm. especially on the international scale so like people in the UN do they um, know the ins and outs of AI um, people who will be in like our governments um, discussing with each other about how they're going to move forward with AI or how they're going to interact with other countries based on it. Like, what is their knowledge of it, first off? Because mm -hmm. it's now when you bring in this kind of new development, it's almost just like a whole new sector in government and in how we do policy that they have to know about. And that just kind of brings in almost a whole new era because technology is very, it's much more complex and in-depth than the government policy and foreign policy was before when you started involving actual standard knowledge of science to be able to say this is going, like having AI in this sector will do this and having AI here will do that because there's the ethical side but there's also just the literal functional side of it. And that's kind of difficult when it's like we're bringing in something so new to people that to be able to say something about it, it's almost like the understanding part has to be there. Right, so we'd have to have like some sort of technological ethics board yeah, like there with scientists. Yeah, there would have to be people that actually know about it. We can't just have Trump up there. It has to be some someone with a real take on it, and maybe mm -hmm. who's even studying it or using it, developing it, will be able to speak on it at least give a neutral point of view for other people to decide how it should affect our global community. Yeah, I think with like just the rapid development of technology that we do see today, mm. it would be beneficial yeah. for maybe not just the US, but you know, for there to be some sort of formation mm -hmm. of like some sort of technological yeah. ethics board, mm -hmm. sort of like UN, but yeah. I think that leaves a I lot of room for corruption though, because you have a board that's monitoring what countries are using this and to what degree and in what areas of study that they're using AI. Um, there could be maybe small alliances or small deals that's made with that kind of board or, or with the UN that could compromise um, like some of the laws that they input. They input. Yeah, that is an interesting concern mm. to bring up. Yeah. Or some countries mm -hmm. could partner together and maybe cover for each other when they're using AI in an area that maybe is restricted by that kind of, um, maybe by the UN or by that board of people who, um, who are responsible for those restrictions and making those laws and stuff. And so I feel like that just creates a whole nother realm mm -hmm. of, uh, there almost would be technological warfare basically. Yeah. 
if these things begin to be restricted or um, regulated. Right, and I think that uh, another problem uh, with the board is that the college problems, I guess, is some, you know, some countries have, you know, better technology, better resources to actually do research and develop AI more than other countries. And so I guess, you know, maybe countries like uh, richer countries uh, could probably monopolize, you know, the mm -hmm. AI kind of industry. And then maybe these other countries who don't have the resources available to devote to developing AI get left behind, kind of, you know. And I think we see it now with like um, environmental protection that people a lot of times are reluctant to move forward, especially when it comes to technology or just new advancements or anything that's not traditional, um, or just really any changes in general. So we even see in the U.S. a reluctancy towards environmental protection or denial of it, and even when it's necessary. So I think the same thing will happen with AI when we have certain people, when we get to a point where like, AI may be necessary here, or it will make us more efficient. Other people would say, but oh, we don't need it. The way we've been doing things is fine. So we have certain countries that are getting even richer and moving ahead more because they decided to invest in AI, just like they invested in environmental protection and other countries that aren't doing the same thing. And we're seeing them be left behind. And then, of course, like you said, the countries that don't really have a choice. Yeah, I'm just afraid of us, like, if we don't have any sort of, like, set standard and regulation for how this should go, we could potentially, like, you know how competitive, you know, different nations are. Yeah. And just look to the Cold War, just the race for better technology and everything. So I'm just... There's going to be pros and cons to both sides. Yeah. There's going to be, but it just depends on what prediction of taking action or not taking action is more reliable, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it's just always a, it's an understandable fear of technology in a way because it makes people closer. And so it makes people you don't know closer to you. It makes governments closer to you. And we don't, people have that fear now. You know, government's watching us. It's the Facebook thing. You're saying like Facebook can listen in to, it's not just things you search, but possibly the things that you're talking about to be able to advertise to you. And so with AI, us developing it, people who are even supporting it for you know, efficiency purposes could also be apprehensive about about it because they still value their privacy and that also just comes down to not knowing but at the same time you can know about the ins and outs of it but you don't know how the people who are creating it for your country are doing it or like what their intentions may be. This is definitely a complicated issue with many different pros and cons and different takes on it. Thanks for tuning in!